We're so glad you found us here at the Leadership After Hours podcast. If you're finding value in this content, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. This allows us to spread the modern leadership revolution. Plus, you don't want to miss out on a single weekly episode. Now, let's get into it. Welcome to the Leadership After Hours podcast. Real talk with real leaders committed to creating better companies and a better world. Presented by Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits with your host, Sean Patton. All right. Welcome to part two with Raul Hernandez, uh, growth and operations extraordinaire, speaker, author, uh, consultant. Um, and in in the end of part one, we really got into the nuts and bolts of uh, operations and where where to start, right? We d- talk kind of theoretical first. And, and if you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to that. And then we got into like the no, no shit five steps, uh, that you, you talked about, um, which I made notes because I'm, I'm learning. We're here with you. That's like I said, uh, roles. I'm a huge fan of roles thinking when it comes to operations. Um, and the first was correct me if I'm wrong, leading KPIs and operational indicators, right? Like leading indicators mm-hmm. and operational KPIs. Then you talked about, then you got to decide what habits and behavior support those. Mm-hmm. Number three was measurement, Right? How are we going to measure those behaviors? Right? Not measuring the KPIs, measuring behaviors, which and habits, which I liked. Four was who owns it. One person owns each one, and then off of that, sort of that secret sauce SOP, the how. How are we going to operate? What makes us different? Did I did I hit Rolls operating system? Am I my that tracking? is a hundred percent on point. Just on the tracking, you can also I would recommend also measuring the the KPI, but mm-hmm. definitely measuring the the behavior and the performance of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, measuring behaviors. I think that's so sort of critical. Um, you know, on the leadership side, if we kind of work back here, like that one person owns every metric, I think is so important. And I see it mm-hmm. messed up, especially with small companies, right? Startups, because everybody is kind of and maybe in multiple seats, wearing multiple hats. Everybody kind of has to do that stuff. We don't have as much structure built up. Oh yeah. Um one interesting but, note on that, if, if I yeah. can dovetail on that, is Please. is sometimes we feel that we have to wear all the hats. And I kind of want to give a perspective of the essence of the roles that I've built teams on. And I don't care if it's a small team of 20 or a team of 30 or 40 or a team that we're leading like 70 to over 100. And again, I work with small businesses, so I, you work with the bigger companies. But the whole idea is there's three core essences to a team. The three, and this, these are not job roles, these are not job descriptions, these are not you know something you're going to hire for, but these are essences, and any different team members wear different essences. The first is a driver. They're breathing life into the work that they're doing, they're breathing strategy, client relationship, LTV, they're directing what the team is doing, they're pushing things forward, they could be your quarterback of the team, but they're your driver. And we all have drivers in our teams. The second is the operator, the one that's supporting the driver who's getting the deadlines met, the communications ensured, everything documented, everything in one location, making sure that the client's happy, the team is happy, et cetera, et cetera. Then the third is the specialist, the one that's in the trenches, the one that's executing their very specific skill set to get the result or to get the outcome that we're desiring for. Sometimes we wear three hats at once. We're all three personas. Sometimes we're more strong than others. And like as I've grown, I've actually become... And, and see myself more as a driver. And it's kind of interesting when I've met really good operators, like, oh, wow, I, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, the, the interesting part here is 
there are different in your teams right now. You know, there is the ownership. If you're the owner and you're running the ship, yeah, everything's on you. But if you want to go like the, the saying, if you want to go far, building with the teams and identifying who is owning each metric and are they a driver? Are they an operator? Because sometimes we need to mix and match specifically depending on the area that we're measuring for fulfillment or for administrative KPIs that we're measuring as a company. That'll probably go to your operator. That'll call, probably go to the person in charge of that department or that specific function. But I think it's just a good perspective to see the different personas in our company and what hat or what, uh, you know, uh, persona triad they fall into. And picking the right, to your point, picking the right persona for the right owner of that metric, right? Letting mm-hmm. that, letting that drive based on you having it. And, and I think that comes down to, all right, so now I'm going to take us on a different route, but we'll come back. I'll come back. So I want to hear your perspective on this, um, that self-awareness, of knowing to your point, you're like, I'm a driver. I feel like I'm become a driver as before I wasn't of, of who you are. You know, there's, there's maybe the roles we have to play, right. Especially mm-hmm. as an owner or founder or one of the first hires, but then it's, well, now as we start getting bigger, like where should I be and which one do I fit in? And then it's the assessment of the other people on your team. So I'm torn yes. on things like, behavioral assessment, personality assessments. I'm torn. I really am. I go back and Mm. forth, uh, on application. Do you use that with clients or do you think there's a role there to be played for yourself or for people on your team to figure out, well, we need an operator here. We need a driver here. Or is this person struggling is because maybe they're in the wrong seat. Do Do you see a role and, and have you used different personality or behavioral assessments as you do this work with clients? Yeah. So for the actual work and the execution, I, so, so the answer is yes, I've used predictive index, the, the Myers-Briggs, the, what's the, the, the really famous one. I forgot the specifically for sales. It's disc. Anyways. Yeah. The oh. disc. Yeah. We've, you've used all of them and they all work, but also mm-hmm. we know that it's a snapshot in time. Like I, if I'm feeling pretty, uh, pretty fiery today, I could be very high D. If I'm feeling like I want to just chill in a cave and just like create my own stuff and not talk to the world, maybe it's like, it's different, right? So there's a place and a time for them to give you perspective. But to answer your point, there has to be a level of self-awareness as a leader. And I think that's what really makes good leaders is to be aware of themselves and those around them. And this drives empathy and self-awareness, not empathy so that we can mope and, and like complain and whatever, like more so that we can understand another human that we're working with. What is their personality? How do they like to communicate? What are the things that they are naturally good at? And I personally would rather look at natural strengths and talents. What does this person bring to the table that's natural to them? I think, I forgot which one, it's Strengths Finders. I forgot who runs that. Finder, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the book, at the end of the book, they had something very unique that I thought was outstanding was there isn't enough humans to be statistically significant that there is another human that's just like you with the exact same strengths and the exact same order. And I found that fascinating. That means that we are all unique. Now, do we want to compartmentalize so that we can better understand? Sure, that's okay. But I also don't want that to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
I have an issue with like just people who say I'm just not, not, not you specifically, but like when people just say I'm a pure visionary and I can't do anything else but vision cast or whatever, like that's, that's great. But then that's also like, there's a death spiral to the visionary dilemma because then there's a, not a touch to reality. So I think we have to both be grounded and self-aware and that's what uh, like true hum- humility is just being truthful. What is the truth? Like if you look in the mirror, like, What's the truth here? Not what I want. I what I what am I right now? And who do I have to become? Or what are the talents or natural skill set that I have to pull in order to do the things that are necessary for the current circumstance or for my team? So that's the first step within within ourselves, in my opinion. When it's working with others, it's to having that that awareness. It's again, the, the e word is the empathy, but having that awareness and who is this other? What are they naturally good? What do they lean into? What are some of the things they have to build up? And do they actually want it? Are they actually be- wanting to gain those skill sets, gain those different uh, traits and characteristics? And then from there, you can start to ebb and flow. Okay, does it make sense to give this responsibility or this task to, to, this, to this person? And here I use some, some, maybe it's a more philosophical thought, but I actually believe that there's a, there's a popular thought that we're becoming the best version of ourselves or we're becoming someone when in reality we already are that you already are made to the best of your ability sometimes we just have to chisel the crap that we've picked up along the way that mind gunk and we're just chiseling away chiseling away and some people want to put in the work other people don't know that they can put in the work others don't want to put in the work you need to figure that out as well and the other key thing is that you all measuring the maturity level of your team and the best explanation to maturity is that a person who's mature goes through two things or takes on two things, pain and responsibility. That means suffering and responsibility. That's very difficult because we're in a world that we don't want any suffering, yet it exists, yeah. right? We try to make it an illusion that it's not here, but that's not the world we live in. That's not reality. But we can take on, what does that actually mean in practicality? Doing things that may not be comfortable right now for a good that's going to happen in the future. That's what that means. And if someone on your team is not willing to do that, does it make sense to give them a big responsibility, a big project, if their natural tendency, if who they are has told you, hey, I don't like that, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. No, I. It, it's so funny because... I have this, I have a definition in my head of maturity, right? And then you start off in like pain and responsibility. I'm like, okay, I like that. That's, that's cool. Different. And then you explain why, and it's my definition of maturity, right? My definition, I think the little definition of maturity is the ability to delay gratification, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what it is, right? Like if you have kids, you know, they, you can be like, Hey, you know, that whole, like, don't eat the cookie thing. I'll give you two in an hour. Like, good luck. Right. Like they just, they, they, <laughs> like their brain's not like, they're not mature enough to handle that or or that teenager emotional state, right? That response versus reaction. Like, well, I'm angry. Well, blah, blah. well, you, you you can't act like that. Well, but I'm angry. But like, yeah, I get that, right? Like, that's no one's. Mm-hmm. You can you can feel angry and not act out, right? Like that. That's literally maturity. That's not like asking you to be inauthentic. <laughs> that's asking you to be yeah, like a mature. The, the adult. emotional, the, and that that ties into a whole slew of leadership of addressing an emotional need, but not acting on just emotion, using your intellect to drive your emotions and, and contain them, which again, there's different, 
lessons in the world and culture and the marketplace telling us the other way, go with your emotions, do what feels right. And again, I would want to see, okay, well, how is that ROIing for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that brings an interesting point because what I do see it play out is when people are maybe trying to find, because you talked about finding your strengths, right? Or having people mm-hmm. find their strengths. And, and, uh, and when you do that, but sometimes I find, you know, you might, uh, me along with others on, on my team, or as I work with companies that you, maybe you ask them what they want or what their values or what their strengths are. And that, that, that's some introspection. That's some work to do. Not everyone gets there. But what I've, what I've kind of come to is instead of maybe inside out, sort of outside in, which mm. is what gives you energy? Like what excites you? Where does the, where, what are you passionate about? Right. And if you find the, the, when you do this work, when you do this task, when you think about these things, when you talk about these things, you get excited, right? I see it with clients. I'm sure you do too, right? Like, well, mm-hmm. it'll be down in the dumps and then we'll start talking about, you know, marketing or we'll start talking about their team or their family and they light up and you're like, Oh, that, that's it. Like, then you can almost re-engineer it backward to be like, okay, so your strengths and your values are showing up because this work is giving you energy. It's not a drain. So mm-hmm. that can sort of be that guide of wh- what type of work should I be doing? What type of effort should I be doing? What role should I be playing um, based on sort of where that natural passion starts to spring up, right? Yeah, where you feel the friction and when you're in flow, when you actually think, wow, this is incredible. This is not work. This is super fun. And the day goes by so fast. And then when you feel the friction, doesn't mean that you stop doing it. Obviously, there's the, the responsibility piece. You've got to do things that you don't like sometimes. But that's fine. But I think what you're getting at it. I, I love that is setting the parameter. And that goes to the point that we need others to grow. We can't just grow by ourselves. Like we're, we're a communal being. We're humans. I need other humans to support us like that. We're wired for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tri- tribal creatures, right? And and that community, and that's why, like in my um, in my my book, Aware's Mindset, you know, the third key to greatness is the North Star, right? And then I, I define it's my own definition. So, I'm, and I'm not an anthropologist or scientist, but so far, <laughs> I've yet to break it. So, you know, if you break it today, Ro, we'll we'll edit it out, maybe. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> but the North Star being that you know every living creature is its happiest, most content, and fulfilled when its activities and environment are aligned with its genetic purpose. Um, and That's I actually incredible. went to a talk yeah. one time where you know, a lady had like a near death experience actually. And she was talking about it and it was so interesting. She talked about her near death experience and the lesson she took from it and believe that not whatever she even said, Hey, that's, that's my experience. But it was that every soul or, or spirit that takes on a human body comes here with a specific purpose. Like there's an intent to every life mm. and that basically almost all disease, mental illness, like all of you know, because we know that 80% of all chronic disease is 100% avoidable, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's, 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 there's exceptions to this rule, but you know, she's like, that is the friction. What she's describing is that like, when you're not living the way you're supposed to live, the way you're meant to live with the purpose you, you kind of came here for, then you experience uh, depression, anxiety, you know, cause maybe you're living the way society thinks you should, or you're living because of the way your parents uh, said you should do. Right. And yeah. that misalignment. But when you get aligned, you do get in that flow state in that passion. And so it's yeah. so funny. Cause you know, I, I said genetic purpose, but you could just replace that with spiritual purpose, you know, from her perspective, just purpose in general, and, like there's design yeah. to, to everything in our life and the, and the way that the, the, the cosmos are structured as well. So there's an interesting take on that. 
I can't go as far as saying like, well, this is why there's disease. I, I, that's a stretch. I'd have to <laughs> dive yeah. into that. Yeah. But I, I am in alignment with, uh, I think we talked about earlier, is that you already are made for who you are. And sometimes we chisel away the crap that people, others, externals, music, uh, shows, whatever we're taking, the wrong podcast, the, right, the wrong books, the wrong beliefs that, that can mess with us of like, hey, you're actually here for this specific thing. And when you think about it, it's pretty humbling. Like you could have been born in the 1500s. You could have been born in 800 AD. We're born here at this specific time for this specific place, not another time and space. We only have a limited amount of years. I don't care how much longevity you do. Like there's, <laughs> you're still yeah. gonna have a limited amount of years. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty fascinating. It's humbling, but it's also appreciative. Like, hey, this is cool. Let me let me do what I can with what I have right now. Yeah, and have the gratitude. You know, one thing I talk about too. Um, I don't know why I keep coming back to my book, but it's it's funny how these themes keep coming. But like, the first key is perspective and gratitude, and have these like mm-hmm. seven seven fuels of gratitude, right? And one of them is historical perspective. Like, you know, the fact exactly we bring up. Like, my God, like look at us now, like. We're talking, you know, you're, you're in California, you're in San Diego, I'm sitting here in Nashville and you might as well be in the same room with me and we'll be able to share thoughts and ideas. And then after this, I'm going to hit a few buttons. And then all of a sudden everyone in the world's going to be able to hear this private conversation that like we had. And those ideas are going to spread. Like there's, I'm not saying that it is a meritocracy or anything like that in the, in the world. I mean, there's definitely different people's situations Mm -hmm. and privileges and all that, but like overall, like it's that we're, we're there is some meritocracy in the sense that technology and the way we live and the fact that our basic needs are met and, you know, I don't have to go toil in the field for eight hours after this call <laughs> is, is allowing me to kind of have more decisions about where I go and find that, that purpose. And, yeah. and, and I think that's important for us and it's important for us to recognize that. And, and how do we help others inside our organizations hit that optimal point and chisel away so they can become their best self for them for just altruistically, but also for, for the organization. Yeah, no, I mean, it, there there's an alignment for that. Doing the good for the organization, stakeholder economics, like it, it, it trickles down. There's one interesting piece, um, this is just my perspective, and some of the best leaders that I've had the privilege to work with, know and connect with, um, and even have as clients, they purposely, because of the access, because things have become a little bit too easy, they purposely do things that are a little bit harder and they perp like one of my guys just ran 103 miles. Like, why would you run 100? He just decided because that was his commitment. He wanted to become an ultra athlete because that's in his age. That's the only pro thing that he can do. Baseball is no longer in the in the game, yeah. and he wants to do that for for his son. He wants to say, hey, your dad's an athlete. Uh, but that was his purpose. That was his reason. But he's doing these hard things. Even like other very successful, like even in private equity in that world, they're waking up at five, six, and during the conferences and they're running the stairs like 10 times. Like that's, they're, they're purposely doing things because of that. So there is that, that good that comes with it, but there's also the other side is like, am I maximizing or outputting as much as I can today with what I have? Not saying, cause I think it's an arbitrary thought. Like let's say the simplicity of working out, right. And you're lifting or you're doing something heavy. You can say, Oh, you know what? I don't want to push myself too hard. Cause I'm going to be back here tomorrow. But then we take for granted that tomorrow's actually an opportunity or possibility versus let me just give as much as I can right now and not leave anything on the table in my work, in my relationships, when I'm talking to team members, when I'm helping them grow, when they're becoming or they're uh, you know transforming who they are to who they truly are and creating that alignment. I think we it's, it's that gratitude of the moment right now. 
I do. I think it comes back to that, that presence. You know, one thing that I have to, I've had to work on a lot coming out of the military that I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, as entrepreneurs, especially though, I think you do have to learn what those habits are because mm-hmm. you, I know like I burn myself out, you know, I've talked so before, but like, um, so I was actually talking, we have this cool program called the Thor program in, in special mm-hmm. forces. And it was just starting now. It's like huge, but like basically we get these awesome personal trainers. Like I were talking, everyone there was like masters, PhD, Olympic committee, D one programs, pro teams. And they were coming to train us and it was awesome. And wow. you know, one of the things I was talking with one of the guys as I was training with him, this is years ago. And he's like, you know, the one lesson because asking about the difference, right? Like, hey, you just worked with, you know, he, I think he came from like University of Wisconsin, their football program, football basketball team. And he's like, honestly, we, I got here and I broke you guys because while, you know, is that Green Beret or even that SEAL, however, that army, you know, military athlete, special operations person, is that the same level of athlete as like, you know, a starting D1 wide receiver? Like, no, not at all. Like, I don't have a 40 inch vertical, you know, I can't do all those things, right? But he's like, but mentally, we still have to go push those kids. Like we have to push athletes mm. at the Olympic level and we have to be like, no, go, go hard, go your hardest. He's like, if we come here, like we just started breaking people. Cause if we tell you to go until you can't go, you're just, your MCL is going to fall off. Like you guys will just, it's like the mental side of doing that. And when I yeah. transitioned over to the entrepreneur side, you know, I told people all the time, my first business failed, right? I went through a bankruptcy. I, I had two panic attacks as an entrepreneur and I spent almost mm-hmm. two years in combat and never had a single one, you know? Wow. So it's like, yeah. because there's no, there's no like redeployment, there's no end. And so I think to your point, like trying to balance that passion and like giving everything I have now, but also managing and knowing, well, the harder I go now, I, I have to offset that with recovery yeah. to be able to show up as my best self tomorrow. So that sort of balance, I think as, especially as a leader of team and the pressure it comes with being a leader in a, comp- a big company or, you know, an entrepreneur, we have to be able to find those, that balance between the passion and the purpose and the drive and, and the gratitude for the moment. The compression. Yeah, yeah. That, that balance and you're, you're back so and right forth. On the habit. And the one thing we avoid, I mean, we're talking here about the flip side, but we don't talk about what do I do on Saturdays or Sundays? We don't talk mm. about the intentional habit of rest, the intentional yes. habit of leisure and, and leisure, not lounging around eating dozen cups of ice cream, which ice cream is great though, by the way, but yeah. huge fan, the, the leisure, <laughs> I think, I think we need to practice or learn leisure better as a, as, as for your team, for yourself. And if you do this, you are also embodying these habits within your life, giving as much as you can, but then also focusing on the relationships around you that matter the most, focusing on your health, your mental health, your education, your future, your soul, whatever you're working towards, then also resting. We're humans. We're not bionic machines, at least. Not at least I don't not think yet, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know what I mean? So there's that flip side. And it's not like the whole self-care. It's all about the habits of ensuring that you are a well-rounded person and individual. And a lot of people down on that idea that you got to go, go, go every day, seven days a week, 16 hours. Like that's not life. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and to bring it back, you know, as we, we start to wrap here, like the point we were talking about before, I think it's such a great tie back to that leader set culture. And then also, mm-hmm. you know, you brought up how the, the, the team takes on the personality. So now you have a greater response. If you're in a leadership role, whether you are, you know, a, an entrepreneur with a three person team or, you know, a division head in time inside of a fortune 500 company, 
if you're the leader of your team, they're going to take on that personality, right? So if you say, oh no, you need to, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your family, do all these right things. But then you don't like, that's the expectation. You know, it's funny I, I often say like leadership is like parenting, right? Because one, it's 24 seven, right? You don't, you don't turn off being a leader <laughs> at, at four, cause it's four 30. Um, yeah. and then two, what you do matters way more than what you say. Yeah. You know, you could tell your kid not to eat 12 things of ice cream, but if every night you come home and you, you know, drink a 12 pack and, and eat ice cream and, and watch like, guess what they're going to do when they leave the house? You know, they're going to do yeah, what model you demonstrate. You. They're going to model yeah. you. Yeah. And so part of that culture you talked about is just like, as a leader, you know, again, to tie back to that point of, you have to demonstrate that whole person development, not just the work ethic. Yeah. And I think that's an, an entirely, that's a bigger subject, but it's all around how are you coaching? How are you supporting? And what are the habits that you're doing with the team? Do you take quarterly retreats, uh, six month retreats, annual retreats? Like, how are you showing them that rest is part of being productive? And we, we're not just doing it for its own sake. Obviously, there's the other output is that, you know, the more rest that you have, you actually might be even more successful in the long run. But it's also, we have to enjoy the journey. Sometimes we focus on the destination too much and we forget that the journey actually determines the destination, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Now, I, lo- I love that because, and also the journey, the process is the current, that's like reality, right? Like that's the only thing that exists. That's the reward. <laughs> yeah, that's the reward. And 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 it's it's the only reality. Like, you know, we can, if you, like, if their if their future is reality, if the future is real, like show it to me, pick it up, put it in your hand right now. Like it, you know, it doesn't. Uh, it, it, that, those are just electrical impulses in our head, the same way our memories are. So, being present in the moment and learning to love the process, man, I I love that you emphasize that because the process is life, man. That's all this is is one process. Like to your point, nobody we're we're not bionic. Like this is all going to end one day. Like nobody wins. Like there's no winning at life. Like you know, like we're all going to <laughs> well, the ground. Yeah, there there I mean, there is like enjoying and living the best that you can with right now, living that purpose. And maybe that is the winning. But like even exactly. like who've colleagues who've sold and exited for millions and they had all the money. They they enjoyed it for a week and then after they got like they they there, there's like there's not when you reach that even from my own personal exam, like experience when you reach that goal that pinnacle that moment you're there and you got it like this is awesome you enjoy it but then after it's like that doesn't content me fully and like you're always thinking then grasping and, and getting and when you grab it it's like a puff of air you're grabbing it and it's like okay well then what what is this there has to be something more and it's part of that process part of taking care of yourself holistically and others around you and you start seeing that that i mean the it's, it's you can learn a lot from like you mentioned near death experiences or people who are about to pass or people in their in their older age like what do they care more the, the most what do you remember the most in your life how do you align that and ensure that you can do great work today maximize and do your best balance that out but then also lead your team with integrity and alignment to uh, to their purpose your purpose the team's purpose etc Man, I'm I'm just gonna let you drop the mic on that one and uh, end there because that was awesome, Raul. So, man, thank you so much for this. This was it was awesome to to see you again and catch up. And I hope we get to see each other in person again soon and and do more of this. Thanks for having me, man. All right, later. Thank you for listening to the Leadership After Hours podcast. If you haven't already. Join us in the modern leadership revolution by hitting the subscribe button 
and give us a review on whatever platform you listen to or watch the Leadership After Hours podcast. For a better tomorrow, create a new leader today.